More time off the draw. Rich shot score. Winnipeg has won game three, five to four in overtime. It's Nick Ehlers right off the draw. Top right corner. Jets lead the series three games to none. Well, the Edmonton Oilers are up against the ropes and the Winnipeg Jets are ready to deliver the knockout blow. And tonight, a lot of the Oilers' damage was self-inflicted, leading 4-1 with eight and a half minutes to go in the third period. Uh, stupid penalty by Josh Archibald. The Jets score on the power play. They get some life. They score a couple more to tie it up. Three goals in 3-0-3. And then Nick Ehlers, playing for the first time in the series, gets his second of the evening, and that does it. And the Jets are up 3-0 in the best of seven. 5-4 is the final. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, overtime open line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Well, Rob, an absolutely tragic heartbreaking gut punch of a loss tonight by the Edmonton Oilers. And I know there's two teams out there and the Winnipeg Jets have some darn good hockey players, but I think culprit number one in the result tonight is the Edmonton Oilers beating themselves. You're right. You're absolutely right. This was a game they had completely in control. It, it, it was over. There's eight minutes to go in this hockey game. 4-1 lead. They did everything right. They played well, making good, good saves, got depth scoring. Their their stars came to play. Their power play scored a goal. Uh, they got to Hellebuck, who, who just absolutely owned them. And then a frustration penalty. And you don't want to harp on it too much because, and I, again, I'm a huge Josh Archibald fan. And through two games and 50 minutes, he had been probably the most consistent player understanding his role and playing it to a T. Having said that, it was a bad penalty. It was a bad penalty. You gave life to a lifeless team. Uh, you could have milked the last eight minutes. The Jets, knowing they have a game tomorrow, it's back-to-back -to -back games. They're not going to double shift any of their star players because you don't want to you know, tire them out because tomorrow's game becomes that much more important. But you take a penalty and you give the team a little bit of a spark. And they're like, okay, if he's going to take a dumb penalty like that, let's go out and score the goal. Let's let's make them sweat a little bit. And you saw the excitement when Perot scored. It's a 4-2 goal in a game where you've only scored outside of, or without empty net goals, you've only scored like three goals before in, in the series coming into this. And you score a goal, you're celebrating like it's a Stanley Cup championship because you know you now have a chance. And then they pushed, and they pushed. And the Oilers, for the first time, felt some stress in this game. There had it been a stressful, stressful game for them, and or stressless game. And all of a sudden, they've got stress. And the, the Jets kept pushing. They got a break. They got a bounce. They got a goal that Mike Smith normally would have, but none of that should have happened, because the Edmonton Oilers had this game in hand, and a, a an ill-advised penalty gave the Winnipeg Jets that brief amount of hope, and they took full advantage of it. All right, courtesy Mattress Superstore, give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's where there's head coach Dave Tippett. Happened, but we're still kind of still don't know what happened. How did you see it from your perspective behind the bench there? A team that's been really good at closing out games and, and handling needs, holding leads kind of just uh, collapsed there in a three-minute span. Well, when you look at it, winning is hard and, and there's painful lessons that you learn. You need to learn to uh, win. And like you say, we were pretty good at it all year, but tonight we, we learned some hard lessons on, on what not to do to win in the playoffs. Just the, 
the two power play goals were both critical mistakes by us. Uh, one, the penalty came after we didn't get a puck in deep and the Archibald penalty was just a poor penalty to take and it gave them some life. So parts of the game that we liked, we did, and then there's parts of it that uh, those are hard lessons to learn. Uh, the way the way you guys were playing, the way it looked when it was 4-1 there, I'm sure a lot of people thought if you win that game, you're probably going to come back and win the series. Uh, this is a big emotional swing. Are you worried about the, the emotional well-being of your hockey team right now? I'm worried that... Uh, I'll be worried if we don't take the lessons that we should learn tonight and use them accordingly. We did enough good things in this game tonight to win. We gave a game away. Now let's see how we respond. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. So Dave, you know, you mentioned the Archibald penalty's not great. They score, then they score again. Uh, you, you went to McDavid line. Were you contemplating a timeout at all once it was four to three? We had uh, next whistle was a timeout coming on a TV timeout. So we went to the, we went to that line and uh, they're reliable guys. We had, we had after the, after the first, there the the second goal we were we were good on the bench and then we uh we gave up the uh the third one guys that all the talk was the right way but then we go out and it was 556 i think it was we had a tv timeout if it wasn't a goal we'd have a tv timeout coming you know you're three minutes in between goals you uh you have a chance to regroup and then we gave up the next one before that so and like i say all all trouble that we brought on ourselves and Dave, up until the Archibald penalty, like you really had that game in control. Can, can you maybe talk about, you know, the game up until that point and what you liked about your team and what worked tonight? We did a lot of things well in that game. We did a lot of things well, but there's certain plays in the playoffs that uh, can turn the tide. Momentum is a huge factor in a playoff game. And the Archibald penalty was a huge turning point of the game. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Uh, so that's my question on the Archibald penalty. It, why does that penalty turn the tide more than uh, a trip on a guy going wide on you? No, just they score on the power play. You're, you've got a game in hand, and they score on the power play to give them life. Um, you know, do you, like, it's too soon to start talking lessons with your hockey team. I think I get that. Uh, you know, I don't know how do you how do you as a coach how do you bounce back from this? Your team just just gave away a hockey game that they had completely in hand. What yeah. tact beat this club? Yeah, which is it's uh, it's disappointing because we haven't been that team all year. We've been a pretty good team of closing things out, and and uh, disappointing that we that we did some of the things we did tonight. Derek Van Deese, Post Media. Hi, Dave. Um, you moved Ethan Bear up to that top pairing tonight, and there were times where he looked a little overwhelmed by that. Would, 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 did you see that as well? And was there any thought of, of getting Tyson Berry back there? With, uh, with I, thought, I, thought, I thought Bear was fine there. Bear played a real strong game, especially in the first period. It was very strong. And I guess in your experience, when, when things go south like that, you know, is, is there a way to stop the bleeding, especially when it happens so quickly? 8.30 tomorrow night, we got a chance. So that's quick turnaround is good for us right now. Jim Matheson, Post Media. 
Dave, between periods when the team gives up the three goals and the game goes to overtime, is there enough time for the players to decompress and get back at it? Or are you as a coach looking at looking at the players and saying, oh man, if I was a player and you were once, I don't know if I could get over this and come back and win the game. Well, you go in immediately after the game, I went in and made sure that uh, we talked about exactly that, where we are, what we can do. What's happened in the game is uh, we let them back in it. Now we should go win it. So you try to get them settled down and get them focused for an overtime period. And ultimately, we didn't get it done. And Zach Cassian, this was his best game in a long while. What did you think of his play? He was solid, very solid. Got rewarded with a goal, but he was engaged in the game. We were hoping he would give us a little boost, and he played well. Terry Jones, Post Media. Dave, is there anything in your career you can compare to this? Well, you have ups and downs in your career, but there's uh, in a playoff game like this, it's it's really disappointing to see um, see some of the things we did to let a game back in. It's uh, especially when your team, like I think our team, like I said, has been pretty good all year with it, but uh, disappointing to have a uh, have a come out in a game like that, that uh, the mistakes we made. Thank you. Last question, Tony Barrar, Oilers TV. Hey, Dave, in game one, the ultimate difference was a deflection in the third period. And in games two and three, you guys just find them to yourselves on the wrong side of extra hockey. How do you manage the disappointment of being down 3 nothing in the series, yet maintain that overall team confidence heading into game four, knowing that you guys are just a couple of breaks away? You know, you know what the stat is in the you just go you got to win every game one game by game we got to show up and play the same way we played in the first period tomorrow if we play that way we'll give ourselves a chance if we don't take don't make bad mistakes to let the other team back in it then we got a chance to win simple as that thank you this concludes tonight's game all right that's dave tippett after the oilers blew a 4-1 lead in the third period they lose 5-4 the winnipeg jets who can sweep the series tomorrow night reed wilkins rob brown with you what do you think about the timeout issue rob um it's funny i got a lot of texts people asking me that um i i I, you can tell that they talked about it because he knew exactly what was going to happen he had a tv timeout coming up and the fact that he went out with his star line that feels pretty comfortable and it's i mean they're the number one line in the national hockey league so i can see the reasoning both ways i can um Obviously, when when it goes against you, there's more critics or, or more people that are able to point out, well, you should have called the timeout. But, I, yeah, I understand why people are saying, why didn't you call it to stem the tide? Uh, it, you know, especially in a game where there's no fans. Because if they call a timeout with, say, it's, it's Winnipeg is packed with all the fans, with their towels and everything, you call a timeout there, the place is nuts for the entire 30 seconds. And that actually pumps the other team up even more. But in a dead arena, you call a timeout and it actually slows the game down. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's a, they're, we're probably going to have callers in calling tonight saying he should have called a timeout, and I can completely understand the thoughts on that. But you do it. The thing is, Dave Tippett thought of it, and he had a reason why he didn't do it. It wasn't that he forgot or didn't think of it. They had a reason. The coaches decided that uh, we're going to send out Connor McDavid instead, and normally that's better than a timeout. 
All right. Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime. They do get four goals tonight. That means a $400 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. The total for the year, regular season and playoffs combined, now up to $18,800. So, uh, Rob, and we're going to hear from McDavid and Dreisaitl in a second here. The, the players have to get right back at it tomorrow. They, they know the stakes are even more critical than they were today. And they also know, I mean, I, I'd be going to bed sitting there thinking it should be 2-1 and instead mm-hmm. it's, it's 3 nothing. How do you move? How do you move past that? It's tough. It really is. And it's like I talked about at the end of the third period. It's just that feeling when you're in that dress room, that intermission, thinking this game should be over. Like we we should we shouldn't be going into overtime. We outplayed them. We were winning four one late in a game that they were getting nothing. It wasn't like it was a four one game where Mike Smith was standing on his head. It was a four one game where the Winnipeg Jets had nothing going for them. It was a dominating game by the Oilers. So it's tough. Uh, there'll be uh, tossing and turning tonight when the guys go to bed. It's going to be a hard sleep for them. To me though, I think it's an advantage, or it's better for the Oilers that they're playing back to back. Because now you don't have to sit and dwell on it all day tomorrow. You don't have to sit and talk to the media all day tomorrow. Read about it. Hear about it. Watch it on TV. Because you're going to be going through your game day rituals, so you won't be seeing any of the televisions or, or, or things like that. So I think uh, the best thing for the others, they are playing back-to-back. Um, I know the, the, the odds are long. But there's, I, I still believe in that the Oilers are, have a belief in their dressing room that they can come back and win this series for what they did through the first 50 two minutes of this hockey game. They were by far the better team. They just got to somehow forget a lot of tonight, but remember the good things that you were doing that gave you the 4-1 lead to start with. Okay, let's go back into the Zoom room for Mattress Superstore. Here are Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Yeah, Connor. Uh, I guess I just got asked, what happened? Total control, losing our game. What happened? Uh... Well, lots goes wrong, I guess. Um, you know, they're in uh, in a good spot, obviously, up 4-1. Um, they go on the power play, and, and we can't get a kill, and, um, you know, kind of gave them a lifeline there, and and, uh, and they took advantage, obviously. Uh, yeah. Leon, this, you guys had the game you wanted. You, you two played very well. Your whole team played very well. 50 minutes into the game, it's in complete control. Can you just put into words where it goes, where that control disappears to? Uh, I, I don't know. Just mistakes. Um, maybe we panicked a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, Collective and individual mistakes, I think. Daniel Nudra Bowman, The Athletic. Uh, I guess for Connor, I mean, Connor, I got to ask, uh, everyone's talking about the Josh Archibald penalty there that seemingly changed the tide. What did you guys see up from that on, on your perspective? Um, yeah, not, uh, I don't know, um, didn't see much. Um, obviously, it's a penalty, but... Uh, you know, we got a we got a pretty good penalty kill. Obviously, he's part of it. Um, you know, we, we got to find a way to get a kill there. Or, I mean, that's not the only thing that goes wrong. So, um, yeah. And for Leon, I mean, I, I guess it was a pretty galvanizing penalty. Uh, are those types of penalties uh, typically harder to kill off? 
I don't know what you want me to say. I, I don't know. Just need need a kill there. They get a bonds. No. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. Uh, Connor, the, the playoffs can be ruthless. Uh, you know, you guys played really well. You were in control of that game. Kind of eerily similar to game five in 2017, you know, three quick goals in a short span. And, and even then in overtime, you guys generated a lot. Um, is this even, like, is this the most frustrating game you've been in just because it looked like, you know, you should have been, you know, down two to one, feeling really good about yourselves going into game four? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 obviously unfortunate. Um, you know, we've dug ourselves a you know really big hole, but um, you know, take it one game at a time. Um, that's all we can do at this point. We're not going to roll over and and, uh, and and play dead on these guys. I mean, we we, we got to find a way to uh, to get a win tomorrow night, and uh, and we'll take it from there. Leon, is there any benefit at all that you get to play tomorrow now? So, you know, you don't have to think about this too much. Go right back at it. And as Connor said, just go one game at a time. Yeah, we, we don't really have a choice. I mean, we, we got to take it one game at a time. Can't look too far ahead. Um, like Dave was said, obviously, we're, we're in a hole here, but um, just got to find a way to, to claw back into it. And... Um, yeah, that's, that's all I really got. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hi, Connor. Uh, when things start going south like they did there in, in the third period with eight minutes to go, you know, you had a similar situation in Anaheim back in 2017. What is there what, anything you guys can do to try and, and then stop the bleeding there? It just seemed like it just happened so quickly. Yeah, I think you got to find a way to, 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 to just keep it simple. Um, get back to your game, get your feet going again, um, and just calm everything down. Um, obviously, we didn't find a way to do that. And Leon, Connor Halbeck played well again today, but you did score four goals on him. Do you think maybe you've kind of figured out something there that, that you can get to him in, in situations like this? Yeah, I mean, four, four goals in a playoff game should be enough uh, to win the game, right? So um, that's that's not an issue to, to score goals. Uh, we know how to do it. We've done it all year. Um, it's on the other side of the puck um, where we, we obviously have to figure it out. Rob Chichkowski, Post Media. Hey, Connor, I'm just wondering between the third period and overtime, what it was like in the room, what was said. Did you guys get a chance to kind of settle down after what had happened and, and hit reset, or were you still maybe a little a little uh, shocked by everything going into the OT? Yeah, I thought we, uh, you know, everyone's saying the right things. Everyone's uh, everyone's preparing to, to, to go out and win a game. Um, you know, the playoffs are, are full of momentum swings, and, and, and we needed to find a way to... Uh, to score a big goal, and obviously we didn't do that. I thought uh, we had a couple of good looks. Um, you know, Yamo, uh, Yamo has a little break there. Um, you know, and they uh, they win a draw, and it's in the back of the net. Um, that's the way it goes. But I thought, uh, you know, like I said, everyone's saying the right things and and, and preparing to go out and win a game. This one obviously cuts cuts very deep. It looked like you had it in the bank. Is there an emotional recovery that needs to happen? Like, how do you guys you know get over that in time for a game four? Yeah, there's uh, not much time to think about it. Just go out and play. Go play tomorrow. 
Well, yeah, that's about all they can do. The Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime tonight to the Jets. That's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, a game in which they both had three points. Dreisaitl had two goals and an assist. McDavid had three assists. You got a depth goal from Zach Cassian. You got a depth goal from Jujar Kara, where McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't even on the ice. Larson and Shore assisted and the Oilers were sitting pretty through uh, the halfway point of the third and then they blow it and Hellebuck who yeah the Oilers actually found a way to beat him a few times tonight finishes with 44 saves on 48 shots still a pretty good night from him Uh, Mike Smith beating 35 saves pardon me 32 saves on uh, 37 shots he drops to 0-3 in the series okay you can get us at 780-496-0063 this is Heartland Ford overtime open line well, it was a game the Oilers had under control. And now the Oilers are facing elimination. 5-4, the Jets win in overtime. Nick Ehlers scores twice, including the overtime winner, as the Oilers blow a 4-1 lead. And they did blow it, Rob. I mean, that's, you know, we've seen games over the years where a team maybe has a two or three goal lead, but they've had a break or two, and they're being outshot, and it seems almost inevitable that the team that's playing better has a chance to pull off a comeback if they just can get one going. I mean, that's the, that's the really sad part about tonight is that this game was as close to being in the bank as, as possible. Like this, this was, this wasn't like, Oh, well the, the jets were better all night and they, they've just finally got rewarded. This is a complete giveaway by the Oilers. Uh, you're you're right and we talked about the fact that for 50 minutes the Oilers were a superior team and the Jets before the penalty was taken uh not they hadn't quit in the game but I think they were under the realization that you know this isn't our night and you and they weren't going to double shift their players down at the end they had a back-to-back game so they were going to roll lines or you know keep pushing forward but they understood we got the 2-1 lead we're not going to tax our players let's just keep going and, and it was it was a good start to the series, but that penalty that, that the Oilers took just rejuvenated a, a Jets bench. It, it made them mad. It got their uh, got a little bit of juice in them, and they're like, "Let's go score. Let's make them pay for that because that was dumb." And from then, so there, there's that mistake, the Archibald mistake. the The second or the third goal, I guess, was uh, Jujar Kara just lost his man, and that's the one that Wheeler scored again. That uh, a play that. If the Oilers take their men, the puck bounces off of Smith, and you got your man, it's not in the back of the net. So another mistake there. And then the, the tying goal, one that Mike Smith has been saving and would save it 100 out of 100 times until today, one that he it shouldn't get in the back of the net. And then you add the fact that the Oilers had chances to win this hockey game and weren't able to capitalize. And if there's a poster boy for missed opportunities this year, it'd be Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, he's got one goal now in his last 28 games, and there is never a game where you at the end of the night say, you know what, Yamamoto didn't have his effort in tonight, or is he, he didn't work hard. He, he, he's consistent with his work ethic. He's consistent with uh, details, but right now he is absolutely snake-bitten, and he had the puck on his stick, and he could have won this hockey game. But again, probably gripping a little tight, and puck doesn't go in. But, yeah, this is a game that the Oilers, and that's why it's a sleepless night. It's a game that you were completely in control of, completely in control. And so you're, you're in bed right now thinking, I, I don't know how we aren't 2-1 in this series with all the pressure being on Winnipeg tomorrow night. And instead, the Winnipeg Jets right now are like, Whew, you know what, we played eight minutes of hockey and we somehow find a way to win a hockey game. 
and now we can close this team out. So it, yeah, it it was uh, it was self inflicted. And Dave Tippett said it. And it's not you and I speaking and and being upset or being angry. Or it's this was a self inflicted loss that the Oilers should not be talking about. They should be talking about how they came out in Winnipeg and, and dominated a hockey game. Yeah, and you know what? Less than a minute after Kara scored to make it 4-1, Dylan DeMello shot the puck over the glass. Mm-hmm. And talking about body language, I mean, he looked like he wanted to crawl into a 20-foot <laughs> hole and hide. And there's yep. a chance to make it 5-1 with the best power play in the NHL that it scored earlier tonight. And instead, yeah, right. you don't well, score, and then the Jets' power play starts to come back. Well, and then, I mean, the Oilers almost didn't even get to overtime. There was a play. Mike Smith made a huge save. I don't know if it was like 20 seconds to go in the game. It was a seeing-eye shot that went through some legs, and he caught it. I think he caught it between his glove and his pad. And there was a bit of a melee afterwards in, in, in the crease. But, like, they almost scored four goals in the last eight minutes of this hockey game to, to come back. Uh, yeah, it was one that I, the Oilers were in cruise control. And that's why when Winnipeg started pushing, the Oilers weren't prepared for it because it wasn't a game that they had to be prepared for. They they were in, like, this game was done. They were already thinking about tomorrow. And Winnipeg had their push. And, again, uh, silly penalties. It, this is This is the playoffs. You take a punch in the face. Like we saw, and I'm not saying, but Austin Matthews, he saw him smiling as the guy's ragdolling him. Leon and Connor take punches to that slashes consistently. Sometimes you got to suck it up just because as a team player, that's what you do. And Josh Archibald, 99% of the time, does the right thing. Tonight he made a mistake. Okay, Jets win at 5-4. Our hotline is presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. We have Mike on the line. Hey, Mike, go ahead. Hey, guys. A uh, few comments. Uh, frustrated fan. Um, number one is last 10 minutes. Yes, Archibald maybe made a mistake to me. It looked like he was ducking from the hit, and he clipped the... Um, was a player there, whatever his name is? No, it was intentional. Uh, yeah. He he did exactly what he did. That's what he was trying to do. And number two is, um, why didn't we clog up the middle? Number three is, what are the chances of us getting Jack Michaels back on Sportsnet and Moon out back on three? <laughs> I mean, well, that's not that's not happening in the in the playoffs. So we'll that's how the games are going to be called right now. Uh, yeah. And I mean, clogging up the middle. I mean, I don't know, Rob, they just, they didn't clog up anything. Well, I mean, they I just, mean, they're, they're tentative defending or, or vacant defending. Well, for 52 minutes, they did everything right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Everything right. And then in, in an eight minute span, they, the jets pushed. And uh, I mean, the, the goal, the, the one goal that tied it, that Morrissey scored, I mean, that was just a that might have hit Pulley RV's stick. That might have hit Pulley RV's stick. It, it possible because it. I mean, it's it's strange that it fools Smith from that far out. But give him that was a great play. And we saw it's funny because just right after that or shortly after that, Barry did the same thing in the opposite end. I think it was to Dubois. I mean, it's that's high talent defenseman making a really nice play, faking getting the defender to go down and then taking a sidestep and putting it on net. Again, that also goes to the uh, the, the the talk or, or the strategy. Put everything on net because you never know. That Don't ever pass up a shooting opportunity because 
you can score if you put the puck on net. Morrissey did that. But as far as, I mean, I, I'm not sure you can talk about tactics. I think the Oilers came in and had all the exact answers that they wanted until they got punched in the face late in the game, and they faltered a bit. They, uh, as Leon Dreisaitl said, we panicked. There was a time they there was some panic in their game at the end of the game, and uh, the the Jets took full advantage. There's a lot. It happens a lot. A team pushes at the end, but normally. You know, it's hard to score in the NHL, so they don't always go in. For three goals to score in in three, just over three minutes, everything has to go right for you. It did for the Winnipeg Jets, but the Edmonton Oilers certainly helped that with some of the mistakes they made. Okay, 780-496-0063. Scott is standing by. Hey, Scott, thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going? Well, I mean, we're co- we're covering one of the worst losses in franchise history, Scott. But what, what would you like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, no, my biggest thoughts are um, just uh, I, I have many, but I'll try to keep it quick because I know there's other callers. But it's just um, a couple points. Number one, I I don't I didn't notice Nurse tonight. You know, like maybe that's a good thing as a defenseman, but you know, at the same time, you know, you want him to be like a pressure point for the other team. Number two, um, being down through nothing. Um, I don't know, like, like they've tipped, like he's already, you know, changed lines up, um, emotionalized. Rob, I'm going to ask you this question specifically, like, how does that feel in dressing when you change the lines up and then you lose the game and now you're down three one or three sorry three zero. And then number three is just uh, um, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say after this. Like, like you win so many games in the regular season and your star players are being stars and that they were stars tonight and just where where the heck was the rest of the the team? Like, so I, I'll just hang up and leave it at that. So, thank you. Well, I thought, I mean, honestly, the, the star guys were good tonight. But again, for most of the game, the depth guys were doing what we often talk about, Rob, playing in a straight line and, and trying to keep plays alive when they could. Well, yeah, the depth players were, were good. They, they, got a, they got a goal from a depth line player. Um, another depth player, Cassian, moved up. He got a goal. And, you know, he was assisted by Drysdale. But again, that's a depth player. Kara scored a goal. Uh, in the last... The last three goals, one was a penalty kill. One was a depth line player that Kara missed his check, and the other one was the first line. So I, the depth players weren't bad. I mean, again, the, the the Oilers did a lot of great things tonight. They just had an eight-minute hiccup that cost them the hockey game. And there's another thing, too, to, to talk about, Reed, and, and something that you and I have discussed many times, the one need of the Oilers, well, one of some needs that the Oilers have, is a right-handed centerman that they can yep. send out to take face-offs. The Oilers were 37% tonight in the draw. Uh, they, they, a number of times they sent Leon Dreisettle out over and over and over to take face-offs because he's by far their best face-off guy. They have a face-off in their own end late in the hockey game. Uh, Jujar Kerr is a lefty. He's on the wrong side. I mean, that's you in a perfect world, you have a righty there. I think Jujar was 3-9 and nine on the... Yeah, three, three and nine. Twelve. Not good. Yeah, three to twelve. So he wasn't good, and he's going against Stasny. Stasny can win faceoffs. So the when you know that you're going to win sixty-five percent of the faceoffs, you can set up certain draws. Stasny knew exactly where he wins clean wins. He put Ehlers right where he was. The guy in front made sure that he Ehlers had enough time to shoot the puck. So again, uh, the Oilers 
face-off woes and the fact that they don't have somebody that they can put out there cost them again in, in overtime because they they were either sending out Leon or they were hoping. And they were hoping Carrick could win a face-off and he was on his wrong side and he wasn't able to do it. Yeah, and they'll need somebody there. That'll be our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. Jets win 5-4 in overtime. Uh, you know, I mentioned to, to Scott, this is certainly one of the worst losses in franchise history. And I know they've lost Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. But, I mean, they, they're, they're this franchise, they have Stanley Cups. They have a 5 nothing blown lead back in the 80s to Los Angeles. They have this blown lead. And... Some of these players also experienced uh, the blown lead in Game 5 in Anaheim, where it was even later in the third period. Anaheim got all those goals with the goalie out. Certainly the, the tying goal is, remains controversial. Mm-hmm. Which, which, I mean, this might be the stupid question of the night, Rob, but I'll ask you, which one's harder to come back from? I mean, they did win Game 6 against Anaheim going away. Is, is this one harder to come back to because... And now you're well, you're so far out of it. Yeah, it would be the 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 game. The you were still in the series. I mean, this they're down three nothing, and every hockey player knows you know you have a chance, but that chance is slim. Uh, and they know they knew the importance of this hockey game. And uh, again, it, it's just going to go back to as they're laying there, and they get up tomorrow morning, walking almost sleepwalking to the arena, thinking. We should be coming down 2-1 after dominating a game last night, feeling good about ourselves, all the pressure being on Winnipeg because they know that they got badly outplayed uh, in a game. But instead, they're going to be coming to the rink going, what went wrong? And it, and it, and it, lasts, it lasts a long time. It, it's just the disbelief. Um, so, yeah, this one, this one hurts a lot because of the position that it puts the Edmonton Oilers in. Now, having said that, and, and I said this to Bob after the game, the, the hockey player in me uh, is there's this inner self-confidence. All hockey players, especially at the National Hockey League level and all pro athletes, they have this incredible self-confidence. And 3 nothing, they're still believed that they'll win this series. They really do. They'll say, well, look, first two games, we got some bad bounces. Last night, we dominated. And they're going to come to the rink with the belief they're going to win this series. Now, I'd say it, it, it's a long shot, but there's they... I, I do believe that you're going to see an honest effort tomorrow night from the Edmonton Oilers, and the Winnipeg Jets may have to play their best game of the series to win this this series tomorrow night. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kelly is on the line. Kelly, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Rob, you made some great points there. Uh, Yamamoto, he's he's like a little pest out there. He's like a mosquito. He's too small. They just whack him, and he's gone. Uh, second point I wanted to make is Nuge. He's supposed to be a six, seven million dollar man. He's you he haven't heard his name out there at all. So they're gonna have to think about trading him this off thing because they need a, a good centerman, like you said, a big centerman. Uh third thing, Ethan Bear, it was his worst game ever tonight. Uh he's too small. Even the commentators made uh points during the game that he was getting knocked off the puck. Second period he threw the puck up the middle. Uh, to a Winnipeg guy, and he came in on, almost scored on uh, Smith. So Ethan Bear is also too small. So Oilers got to get bigger, and that's the biggest problem with this team. They're just too small. So thanks, guys. 
have a good night. Yeah, well, I think, again, that's something else. And, of course, as I'm sure uh, Kelly knows, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if he's not an Oiler next year, it won't be because of a trade. He is a free agent this summer, so we'll, we'll see how that uh, – how that plays out. Okay, we got to take a quick timeout. Fred Kirby and Greg are coming up. The Oilers blow it. The Jets are in control. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Taken by McDavid. It's a three on two with Drysaddle and Cassian. Drysaddle centers. Cassian shoots and scores. And Edmonton right back in front by a deuce. It's Zach Cassian with the goal. His fourth career in the postseason. And the Oilers laid it three to one. Well, again, for most of the night, things were going exactly how you wanted them to go for the Edmonton Oilers. That was Zach Cassian scoring just a minute four after Winnipeg had pulled within a goal, and Edmonton was up 3-1 after two. Huge goal from Cassian, who got elevated in the lineup today, but uh, the Oilers do not hang on. They led 4-1, wind up losing 5-4 in overtime quickly checking the out-of-town scoreboard here for edmonton trailer looking for parts service rentals or new and used semi-trailers head to edmontontrailer.com big win for nashville double overtime against the hurricanes 4-3 series is tied 2-2 avalanche finish off the blues 5-2 that's a four-game sweep the bruins advance in five with a 3-1 win over the capitals the oilers farm team stays alive in the best of three against san diego seth griffith scores in overtime as they beat the gulls 3-2 phil mickelson wins the pga championship at the age of 50 oldest major winner ever blue jays lost 6-4 to tampa bay all right we have fred standing by fred thanks for calling you're on with robin reed hey boys how's it going tonight Again, we're covering we're we're covering one of the worst losses in franchise history. We don't well, need to I be asked that. Go back ahead. In, back in 1997, I was at the Oilers Dallas playoff game. The Oilers were down three nothing with six minutes to go. I said, you know what? They get one goal. You never know. That's why it's a 60 minute game, not 52, not 54 minute game. It's 60, and anything can happen in playoff hockey. And you know what? Uh, you got to take it one. Obviously, you got to take it one game at a time. But the, it's like going to the casino. It happens once in a while. There's a song by Molly Hodge called "Beating the Odds." Never say never. And you know what? It's we're due for another comeback from down three nothing. It, it doesn't happen very often, but the Oilers are due. Don't give up hope ever. Have a great long weekend. For now, All right. Thanks, Fred. Well. I mean, you mentioned it, Rob. The, the players will play tomorrow. I, I mean, once once the game starts, I, I don't think they're going to be sitting there thinking, oh, we're down three games to nothing. Oh, we're, I mean, once the, the game starts, they they go. Uh, unfortunately, observers like us, where have there been, there's been four three-nothing comebacks in NHL history. history. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the so, odds are not on their side, but as Dumb and Dumber said, so you're telling me there's a chance. Um there's, there'll be belief. I mean, the Oilers are going to... There are so many positives that they can take out of most of the game tonight because they were so good. They finally got to the Jets defenseman. They got the four-check going. They had uh, contributions from players not named Leon and Connor. Uh, they Their their power play scored a, a goal in the game. Uh, they... I mean, a lot of things through 52 minutes were the way they wanted to play. And you're thinking, okay... They're going to win this game tonight. They, they get a game tomorrow and play the same way. All of a sudden, you know, we do have a series. So the, the Oilers will come out and they will put their best effort forward. And there's a, 
people talk about the fact that the fourth game in any series is always the hardest to win. And it's the truth. It really is because there's a team that's going to be playing completely desperate. Now, tomorrow, it's important for the Oilers to come out with the same start. They had a great start in today's hockey game. First time in the series and the first time in a long time. They've got to do that. There's They've got to give themselves belief. Like when Winnipeg got belief on that power play goal tonight and it changed the way they played the rest of the night, the Oilers have to find that belief early in the game and put just a tiny seed of doubt in the Winnipeg Jets' minds. Um, but it's not going to be easy. They have to win four straight. And you can't win them all tomorrow night, but you can set yourself up with a victory tomorrow to get yourself. Your, your, your goal is to play one more game at Rogers. That's what your goal is when you go into tomorrow's game. David Amber posted this earlier tonight. The teams leading three games to nothing have won 192 out of 196 series. That was probably, I believe he wrote that before Colorado finished off St. Louis. So 197 times in NHL history, a team has led three games to nothing. Uh, they basically have a 98% win rate. I actually thought it might have been higher. But there have been <laughs> there have been the, the four comebacks. What, the Leafs back in the early 40s, Leafs, Red Wings, Islanders uh, did it in the 70s. Was it against the Penguins? I think and it was against the, the Penguins, yep. And then this century, we've had uh, L.A. did it to San Jose, and we have Boston did it to Philadelphia. Was it not Boston to Philly? Yeah, yeah. Or is it Philly to Boston? Well, might even well, Philly to Boston. I can't even remember. I should. Remember. I can't remember. It was a. T- I should text my buddy's the biggest Flyer fan ever. But yeah, it was one of the two back and forth. I can't remember either. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, Reed. But I'm going to believe <laughs> anything you say. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, uh, who do we have? Kirby is up next. Kirby, thank you for calling. Thanks Go ahead. My call, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, tough game. Uh, I just, a uh, few comments about the game. Uh, especially with the, uh, I, I don't like how everybody's kind of all over Archibald for his penalty. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, like, that Stanley, somebody, somebody needed to take him out of the knees, and I was telling my wife that. And he did it. And uh, yeah, you don't you do was... don't do that in a hockey game when you're down two games to nothing in a series, though. You, you just don't. No, but no, no. I, I agree with that, Rob. But uh, you know what? There's a lot of calls that were made, and I think that was a bad call. And no, that was, was that was the right call. There. You can. Their coaching said Dave Tippett said it. He said that was a dumb penalty, and it was. Yeah, it but... was. It, it was just that he can't do that. You, you're a third or fourth line guy. You can't do that. Now I and again I I love Archibald as a player. I got all the time in the world for him. He made a mistake. And it's it was a turning point in this hockey game. There's oh, no, uh, there'll and, be other and, times to get even. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you that. But there was a lot of calls, and I and I think the, the the officials are making are are deciding games sometimes right now. And I think that was uh, there was a lot of stuff where where like like where Stanley like ripped almost ripped uh, uh, Pulleyarby's head off, and there's no call in that. So. Uh, I just, I just, I just feel there's a lot, lot of calls that are aren't being made, and I. I well, I, that's. I, thanks, Kirby. That that's. I mean, that's the playoffs. I, I, the yeah. Oilers didn't lose this. To me, they didn't lose this game because of officiating. They haven't lost any games. Well, Dave in this Tippett series because of officiating. Dave Tippett said it this morning in one of his media availabilities that the referees have been great. There's been there has been nothing wrong with the referees in their series. He said it this morning, and yeah. he'll say it after this game too. I mean, the Oilers got the Oilers have had two five on threes in this series already, and tonight's was huge for them. Got them a big goal, but. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I like Archibald. I got, I'm a fan of his, but 
what he did was a penalty. It was a dumb penalty, and unfortunately, it came back to bite the Oilers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, to me, that was definitely a, a penalty. I mean, I don't know. And I, di- I didn't quite see it live. When I saw Stanley down, I, I thought maybe he need him. No, I like need need a knee. You yeah. saw it. Like he just. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's right almost away. like how you would. It's almost like how you would try to tackle a running back or something. You know, yeah, like you well, try to it, chop his legs like, out from under. It's like a clip. I mean, you, he's it, Stanley's humongous. Like he is like the jolly jolly green giant, and like, it's easy to get him at that spot, but it's dangerous because you're going down near his knees, and that that's the reason why that's a penalty to take it out of the game because guys can get seriously injured on a play like that. Because you're going down there, you're getting him, at, getting him at the side of his knee. So that's why it's it's not a good penalty to take at any time, but certainly not one in a in a must-win game for your hockey team. But he was frustrated. They he wasn't happy with getting run on the one boards, and uh, he came across as he's going to the bench, saw an opportunity, and unfortunately, uh, it was ill-advised. And I mean. It, it it's normally we're talking when we talk about Josh Archibald after a game, it's all positive, all positive. But I mean, I've been watching all the highlights and all the different sports shows right now. I mean, that's almost the lead on everything. It was the lead questions for the players and the coaching staff after the game. It'll be the lead on the morning newspapers tomorrow. It was a, a penalty that uh, you cannot take in a hockey game that you need to win. Yeah, I will say this though. It's it led to one goal. There were three oh, yeah. others the Jets had to score to win the game. I mean, I mean yeah. if you can't if you can't recover from one goal against with 8 minutes left in the third period when you're still up two, if you still can't put the game away, there are other, no, there are other issues in the game. Like that started it, but it it shouldn't have been the catalyst to the extent that it was. Well, it started it. If he didn't take it, they wouldn't have been in the position they were where they had to protect a two-goal lead. Having said that, the Oilers did have chances to win this hockey game. They had chances at near the end of the third period. They had chances in overtime. Uh, Hellebuck came up with a couple really big saves. Yamamoto had the puck on his stick. Connor McDavid talked about it in his uh, media uh, availability after the game. There were chances. And, uh, and we talked, uh, Bob and I, at the end of the game, the Oilers where this series started to go sideways for him is right from the very beginning. The first game of this series, the Oilers played against a Winnipeg Jet team that was missing two of their best five forwards, including their best forward Ealers. Game two, they've got Dubois back, but they were still missing their best forward Ealers. And the Jets won both games. Now you see why Ealers is so important to this hockey club. He's, he's, he's their Connor McDavid. He's a guy that can uh, win a hockey game with the puck coming to his stick once. And he did that on that overtime goal. It's just the Oilers missed their opportunity. When you have a team that's got injury problems or, or confidence problems, you've got to take full advantage of them. And the Oilers didn't in game one and two and allowed the Winnipeg Jets to get healthier, which made the Winnipeg Jets a better hockey club. And now they got Ealers and Dubois are going to be better tomorrow night because they got another game under their under them their, their legs now. So uh, this is the penalty by Archibald is just one thing in a, and a number of things that have gone wrong to allow you to be down 3 nothing in a series. All right, Jets win 5-4 in overtime. They're up 3 nothing in the series. Greg is on the Certainty hotline as well. Hey, Greg, go ahead. Oh, um, I didn't call in to talk about the Archibald-Stanley thing, but um, the, the only other option Archibald had was to basically stay straight up and get crushed by him. But that's well, just Don't hit him. 
Don't hit them. Yeah, you don't need no, to. No, for sure. But um, so I got one quick question, and I and then I got uh, one thing I want to say. Um, do you think after the four three, uh, the the third goal when they scored, do you think they should have called the timeout? Is one question, and the other one is. Um, I think the Oilers so far have been, in my opinion, the better team so far with these playoffs. Uh, minus, you know, they can't really score, and tonight was a, a debacle. But uh, I don't blame Smith for the loss tonight. I really don't. Once it was four to one, the Oilers um, took their foot off the gas. They were playing not to lose, and I don't think that was the right strategy. Um, the turnovers in their own zone killed them, and 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 that's what ended up costing them the game. Um, and that being said, um, if, if we lose this series, or even if we get swept, which I hope we don't, and I still have faith in the Oilers because I'm a Oilers fan, but if we can't win in the playoffs, what do you guys think has to change for this team? Because, you know, we have the two best players in the world, and we, we can't <clears throat> seem to get past the first round. And I know it's not over yet, but something's got to change. Some something has to happen because. Well, look, hey, Greg, I'll I'll, I'll I'll jump in. I'll jump in there because the things that need to change for this team are this. It's the same answer to me as if they would have gone to the third round and lost in seven games to Vegas. They need a top six winger, at least one. They they need at least a couple good third liners one of hopefully is a, a face-off specialist and i think they'd still like to round out their their top four on defense plus long term you, you need a high-end goalie uh so that to me that even if they were up three nothing in the series rob that question yeah. wouldn't change for me no i agree i agree with all those things and the oilers should have some more money uh, in their ca- in cap room this summer they've got them some decisions to make they got some unrestricted free agents uh, some big ones larson uh, Nugent Hopkins, Smith. So there, there's some decisions they have to make. It's it would be much nicer to make those decisions with a couple of rounds uh, of victories in the playoffs. But if you don't get through the first round, then obviously it becomes much more glaring. I mean, I don't really want to go into what they need and be, if they lose this round, I let's wait to see what happens in the round first. Because if they come back and win this, and then they go and win the next round, it's like okay, these guys are better than we thought. So. Uh, as for the the timeout question, Dave Tippett was asked that. He felt that they were going to wait till the TV timeout. He sent out his best pl- best player, best line. Felt that they could stem the tide. Uh, it could. I, I agree with people to say he should have called the timeout, and I completely understand what Dave Tippett said. I just sent out Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. I felt they'd be able to slow the pace of the game down. So I can understand both sides of it. All right, whenever the Oilers score five in a game, which they were close to tonight, they needed that fifth one. We turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That's presented by Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeout. Complete details at jvedmonton.ca. The goal scores in this game in order. Drysaddle had two in the first period. Ehlers and Cassian in the second. Kara, Perot, Wheeler, and Morrissey in the third. And then Ehlers in the overtime to win it for winnipeg the official on the overtime goal it was at 9 13 ehlers from stastny who has uh, two points in this series and they are both on <laughs> the uh, overtime goals for the jets okay 780-496-0063 we have aaron on the open line aaron thank you very much for calling go ahead hey guys uh yeah i just uh i do agree that the it was a bad penalty but i you know I, i'm more upset about the no timeout call by by 
asked by Tippett. I know he was asked during his interview. And, you know, Rob, you just touched on it again. But, um, you know, after the second goal, you know, he could have done it then. He could have done it after the third. When he had, when he made his answer about putting on McDavid and Drysaddle, I'm not sure if that was after the second goal or after the third goal. It was after the third because they were on the ice for the tying goal, which yeah. was 16 seconds after the third goal. Okay, but yeah, and then even after the tying goal, like like we've talked, you guys were talking about it before. It's happened four times in history, you know, for a team to come back you know, being down three, three nothing. So I'm not going to say it's impossible either, but you basically know that this game is like a do or die game. So yeah. why, why not just try, why not take a timeout, try to try to get rid of the momentum, make the other team stand there at the bench for, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is. And You're right. And it, and the advantage, and I talked a bit, a bit about it before in, in a game with no fans, if they, if it would have been harder for him to call a timeout, if the fans were in Winnipeg. I mean, the Winnipeg fans, they're a lot like the Oilers fans in the playoffs. They're crazy. So if you would have called a timeout for 30 seconds, the fans would have been going nuts, absolutely crazy, and actually pumping their team up even more. But in a quiet building like tonight, if you would have called a timeout, it would have been dead quiet in there, and maybe that would have stemmed the tide. Maybe that would have slowed down the team because, as you say, they're standing there for 30 seconds in an empty, quiet arena. So, yeah, I can absolutely understand why people say, hey, he should have called a timeout when they made it 4-3. Absolutely, absolutely understand. Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I mean, who we'll never know. No, because they mean, won't you, let us you replay get, it. You, <laughs> get, you get one timeout per game. I mean, I'll, I'll counter with this. Uh, the Jets at that point had scored two goals in uh, two minutes and 47 seconds. In the mm-hmm. first period, the Oilers scored two goals in two minutes and 37 seconds. Why didn't Paul Maurice call a timeout? No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, I, I, I mean, realize first period versus third period, but it was two quicker goals than what the Oilers gave up. Yeah, no, it, uh, I, I understand why people are saying it. I mean, and obviously, Dave Tippett thought about it because when he was asked the question, he had a reason why he didn't. So <laughs> it's, it's something that obviously crossed his mind, and they, the coaching staff, or he, but they discussed it and they decided that, you know what, we'll send out Connor and wait for the TV timeout to slow things down. But, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those, I think, I think it was Dallas Aikens used to say, I'll call a timeout anytime I want. There's there's so many times that they're left in your pocket at the end of the night because no one ever uses them. Well, that's, Why not yeah. take advantage of them? Yeah, so, I mean, he used to call them in the middle the of the first and- period. Yeah, and that's and that's and I, I'm going to argue against myself here, but that's why Maurice didn't call it in the first period. Yeah, you're with right. Tippett, with Tippett, if you don't call it there, it's probably unused because I would yes. think the only other time you would use it is if you have a power play, and probably with five and a half minutes left in the third period of a tied playoff game, uh, you probably realize your chances of getting a power play weren't that great. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting debate. Mm-hmm. For fans, sometimes I wonder how much of, of an effect it, it – like you tell me, Rob, you would have been in games, like did 30 seconds at the bench think like, oh, I feel better now that the other team's catching up. Like, no, I don't know. sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes you're you're on the bench and you're just like, oh, God. We, I mean, look at the score and you don't want to say anything because it's like not good. So everyone's kind of puts their head down and drinks water and pretends that – uh, this hasn't really happened because sometimes the coach calls it and nothing is said. So I I don't know how much effect it really has. I don't. Um, 
I know that timeouts where you set a play up late in a game are more effective. I know that timeouts when you're uh, trying to rest some players so that you can give them an extra, you know, whether you have a power play or your stars have been out for a minute, but you want to rest them late in the game so that you can pull your goalie. Those are much more effective timeouts. Really, I don't know. I don't know how much it really stems the tide in, in a game because you're really all you're doing is sitting on the bench, more or less hiding because you're embarrassed. Of what's if you're calling a timeout, something bad has happened. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Zach is standing by. Hi, Zach. Go ahead. Hey guys, I was just wondering. In all your years of watching hockey, you've ever seen a superstar go consistently as consistently as quiet in the playoffs as Connor Mc regular season? He's got three points, two are secondary assists, and he's the reason the Jets scored their game-time goal. They're down 3-0 in the series, and this is all coming a year after losing to the 12th seed in this home rank last year. So, again, what yep. way is he ever going to rise to the occasion for the Oilers? Well, actually, he had a pretty, uh, good, well, yeah, had a pretty good playoff yeah. last year, didn't he? I thought he had, he had, nine, he had, nine, nine, he had points. nine points in four games last year. And That's lost pretty... to the 12th seed? Yeah, but that wasn't on Connor McDavid. That was on horrible goaltending yeah, last year. Yeah, at what point does points not matter anymore, though, when he's finally going to be a winner? Okay, he's Zach, do you actually season. think Connor McDavid is the problem on the Oilers? Do you actually think he's, he's the problem 100%. on the team? He has th- points in one out of three games, and they're down three. Well, you just said points don't matter. You just told us that. Okay, well, you guys say it did, though. I'm just no, but, it, no, but you said it didn't. Then you, I, you, you said it didn't matter, and then you threw out he's only got three points in one game. So you can't have both three sides of the argument. Three games, not just one. And none well, of he had three points in tonight's game. Yeah, but you're, you're the one that said the points the don't matter. The game. Huh? But he was the reason they tied the game, too. He was also, the reason they tied the game. How was it, how was it his yeah. fault when it was Pugliarvi's guy that shot? That turnover from behind the net? Okay, so again, what like what's your argument, Zach? Like, tr- uh, tr- uh, like trade him in the summer? Like he's he's not actually a good player? I, I I don't understand the purpose of your call. No, I think he's a really good player. I just I think that eventually at this point in his career, the regular season shouldn't matter, and he should start taking some heat for his performance in the playoffs. But okay, well you're you're giving you're giving him heat. You're, you're, so here, uh, w- one minute. The floor. I'm going to give you one minute. Angie's going to time it. Go ahead, Zach on Connor McDavid. Take it away. Uh, I just think that he's been overrated ever since he came to the league. He came in as a god that was going to do nothing but win, save the Oilers. I mean, at this point in Sidney Crosby's career, he's been to two cups and won one. He's never shown he can win any team thing in his career. He didn't win in junior. He only won on Team Canada. Who well, You could put me out there, and I would probably win. And I'm just saying that it's probably about time he starts taking some heat from the national media that he's just not a winner, and he's not what the Oilers need going forward. And he's never well, going to be as good as Sid or anybody like that. Okay, thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, Rob, we, he wanted to put heat on Connor McDavid. We let it. We let him do it. Well, you know, we could. Have, I guess we could have a poll tomorrow. Uh, we go. Everyone gets one vote. Debiton, if you should keep Connor or get rid of Connor, is Connor a winner or is he not? And then we'll see. Um, may, maybe Zach's right. Maybe he's got. Maybe he's on to something. Maybe he's the one guy in the world that thinks Connor McDavid isn't as good as. Everyone else thinks he is. Maybe everyone else is wrong. Is it Gary up next, Angie? So, yeah, okay, we got Gary next, 780-496-0063. Hey, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Reed, holy smokes. <laughs> I can't believe that the guy last call. But, but anyways, hey, uh, the first two games, I didn't feel bad about the Oilers uh, losing those games because, you know, it could have gone either way. But this one, it brings back... 
you know, bad memories of uh, the 2016-27 playoffs uh, with Anaheim Ducks. Final game with Edmonton. They were up 3 nothing, And 3 minutes and 15 seconds or something like that to go. And Anaheim scores 3 goals in, what, 16 seconds? I mean, 3 minutes and three, uh, 1 second, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah no, that, was, that was bad. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. And unfortunately, then they, it does then bring... they came back and won it in, you know, of course, double uh, overtime. Yeah, no, it, uh, it. Reed went through some of the biggest collapses yeah. in the history of the Edmonton Oilers, and this certainly will be up there. And it's it's painful. It is painful, and uh, the players are feeling it. The coaches are feeling it, and the fans of the Edmonton Oilers right now are feeling it. I'm sure that. I got buddies that right now were probably thinking they're going to be celebrating a victory and can't wait for tomorrow's game and they're going to tie it up. Uh, it was shocking. I, I, my wife texted me during the game. She goes, "Did this? Did I just see what I think I saw?" And I go, "I am absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked." I would have bet the house when it was four-one that the Oilers were playing tomorrow and the series was going to be two-one. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly can't believe it came to this. But then again, it shows you hockey. And also, give credit to the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets, uh, they they turned the last eight minutes. They became a different team, and then in overtime, their star player came through with an absolutely gorgeous shot that Mike Smith had no chance on. So uh, that, that's hockey. And unfortunately, when you're a fan, and I've been a fan of, of different teams in different sports, uh, there are a lot more lows than there are highs because only one team wins every year. So there's a lot of times where you, at the end of the night, you're like, huh going to bed because your team lost. And I think tonight there's a lot of people going to bed in Edmonton uh, quite disappointed, quite frustrated, and quite sad. Right. Well, tomorrow's a holiday. They're probably not going to bed yet, <laughs> depending on how they choose to deal with this uh, with this loss. That is sure. a good point, Reed. Uh, NHL player safety announcing this a few minutes ago. Edmonton's Josh Archibald will have a hearing Monday for clipping Winnipeg's mm-hmm. Logan Stanley. I, I can't see that's a suspension. Given no, I, it'll be a, I think it'll be a fine. It'll be and the good old, and it, the good old five thousand dollar fine. Yeah, and it goes back to read what I said. That that is dangerous because you're going at a guy's knees from the side, and he didn't get them. But that is a danger, and that's why that's a penalty because uh, that there's a high probability or a high chance of an injury just because the way you're hitting a guy. So I I do believe that he will be fined and should be fined for that um, because you that's something that you don't want in the game. It it scares you. I mean, if that's Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisett or Darnell Nurse or someone where a come, guy comes in low bridge like that, uh, you'd be pretty upset here too. So completely understandable. Yeah, I mean, it's basically an intent to injure. Yep. I mean, if yep. if you're doing that, you're you're maybe it's not a, if it's not a blatant intent to injure. It's one of those where it's like, well, if I hurt him, I don't care. Well, it's I different from body checking a guy where oh, yeah, I know you it, could you could hurt him, but yeah, he's he was mad, he was mad and frustrated and unfortunately took it out the wrong way. It's funny, earlier today, player safety announced that Shea Weber got a $5,000 fine for cross-checking Toronto's Wayne Simmons, and I watched most of that game, and I was like, well, which cross-check did they, <laughs> did they single out? No, that was um, an accumulative. He got a dollar per cross-check this year. <laughs> oh, that's so right. it was, they counted up 5,000. 5, yeah, they, they had to wait till he got to the 5,000th because that's the most they could find him at one time. Okay, Paul, Michael, uh, Jason, Gregory, Norm, you're all coming up. we got to call a quick timeout, though. Uh, the Oilers blew it. There's no other way to say it. Jets win 5-4 in overtime. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 
Kulikov up the right-hand side. Archibald had the stick slashed by Stanley. Falls back to the Winnipeg line for Mark Scheifele. And Archibald threw a knee in the direction he better of hope, Stanley. He better hope that's not a major penalty. It won't be. It'll just be a minor. He kind of low-bridged him a little bit, and Archibald will be sent off here with 8.49 to go in the third period, and Stanley didn't like it one bit. Yeah, that's the turning point. The Jets would score on that power play to get within two. They would score two more to tie it up, and then they win 5-4 in overtime, and Archibald will have a hearing for clipping Logan Stanley, which I, they call it tripping in the game. I, there is an actual penalty called clipping, is there not? There is. I actually thought they called clipping, but yeah. It, oh, maybe there is. Oh, I got the sheet right here. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. There is something called clipping. Oh, they call they they actually called tripping. Yeah. Okay. But, um, whatever. It's a penalty. Yeah. No, it it was a penalty and a dumb one, and unfortunately for for the Oilers, it turned the way the game went. And it's also, it, and this is game of bounces, game of inches, game of breaks. Even on the power play goal, the puck comes out i mean there the save was there and there's a rebound it comes out and dry saddle goes to clear it and dry saddle who's got he's got one of the biggest blades in the national hockey league and uh when he swings at a puck or when he stops the puck he, he normally gets good wood on it he swung at the puck and it just it bounced on him a little bit and didn't clear and it ends up flopping and going right onto Perot's stick and then bro doesn't get all the wood on it and it hits off of bear's hand and goes in the net uh, the Oilers shouldn't have been in that situation, but a couple bad bounces. And that's the thing is you give. So first of all, you give the referee the opportunity to make a call. Right. And then you give the other team who the Winnipeg Jets have a good power play. And you give a very good power play an opportunity to get a power play goal. And, and, and you just don't want to do those things because the Oilers. And that's what's so sad about this whole thing. It. it if you were an Oilers fan, you were feeling so good about the way things were going with eight and a half minutes to go in this game. So good about the way things were going. And then at the end of the night, here we are trying to uh, pick up the pieces of which was uh, another horrible collapse in, in an Edmonton Oilers hockey game. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's not much to criticize. I mean, in, in, unless you say, well, they were scored on and they gave up a few chances. There's not much to criticize in the first 51 minutes of the game. That's what makes it even sadder. Jets win 5-4 in overtime. They can sweep the series with a victory. Tomorrow, we'll go back to the Certainty hotline. We have Paul on the line. Paul, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, thanks, guys. All I got to say is, uh, <clears throat> man, there's a couple things, but first of all, Zach sounds like a Calgarian. <laughs> and, you know, seriously, like that was Connor's interview, Tepper's interview, so classy. They're, they're never better. Like, you know, remember the Great Cup? I think it was 81 or 82 against Ottawa. 81, yeah. Yeah down big time at halftime like this is not over jp believes i believe i think i might have played hockey with jp at edmonton 35 years ago like uh and also one one last thing look at the condors are playing the ducks young studs and they're in the in the series you know it's this is not over trust Edmonton's the city of champions. All right. This, this isn't over, but hey, Winnipeg is arguably the best Canadian team in the last four or five years. 
So, and oh, I would agree with that. Yeah, over the last four or five years, for sure. Peters is a great hockey player. Oh, he's a fantastic mm-hmm. hockey player. That's why the Oilers need to take advantage of the games that he wasn't playing because he is a difference maker. No, that's yeah. Thanks, Paul. We we appreciate it. Yeah, I mean the Jets, the Jets are good uh, again. Yeah. I I think both these teams are flawed. We, you and I have talked about the Oilers' weaknesses tonight and all season long. I, the Jets' defense is not as deep as the year they were were second overall and lost to Vegas in the West Final. Uh, their top three lines are bigger and more skilled than Edmonton's. Their their fourth line actually does not play enough uh, play very much. The last two games, I mean, Thompson didn't even play eight minutes. Lewis played nine and a half. Perot played nine and a half. All the Oilers forwards got at least eleven. So that's uh, you know that's that's the, the last two games. The ice time has actually been a little more balanced for for Edmonton up front than it has been for Winnipeg, though. I don't know what point I'm trying to make because the Oilers still lost. It didn't help them. Yeah, but but the the, the Jets have flaws, and the Oilers um, really magnified them through the first three quarters of this hockey game. They got the they got to the 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 Jets' Achilles heel. They got them running around in their own zone. Unfortunately, they weren't able to take advantage of it through 60 minutes. But uh, all I you can go through the National Hockey League. Majority of the teams have flaws. Uh, but there's some teams, their flaws are smaller, and they're able to overcome them because their strengths are greater. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, so far in the playoffs, in the last two years, their greatness in some areas haven't been able to overcome their flaws in others. And the Jets, the Jets have been the best Canadian team over the last five years. But this year, I mean, I still think it's Toronto's division to win or lose. And I mean, they still scored what five last night without John Tavares. I guess one was an empty netter. They're they're yeah, a good no, team. They're a very good team. But losing John Tavares, if it's extended, that that will eventually catch up to them because he is a great hockey player. They need him back in the lineup, and you just hope he gets healthy. Okay, we have Michael calling in as well. Michael, thanks a lot. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Well, this is uh, disappointing. I can't, I can't imagine uh, McDavid's going to want to be uh, in Edmonton much longer. Now, why do you say that? Like, I, I don't understand why people go to that, that because well, the team is losing, that the, the star player... Not, well, okay, that, that, is, that is one of the problems. They're losing. They keep losing. You want like? Yeah, but I, I don't under I, Michael. I'm I'm not. I don't want to like be argumentative, but I don't understand why. I mean, Alex Ovechkin, they flamed out in the playoffs multiple times in Washington. He never wanted yeah, a trade. I, I mean, if the Leafs don't win the Cup times. this year, are you going to call in and say Austin Matthews wants out of Toronto? Like, I, I don't. I don't understand your logic there. McDavid's been in order what six years, and he's been to the postseason twice. Three times. Three times last year. Yeah. Well, if you call, okay, if you count last year three times, which wasn't a playoff, it was a play-in. No, but if they would have had a regular season, they were they were in the playoffs because they would have been. Could have, that's the thing. No, no, but that's three three out of six years. Should have, could have. No, but three out of six now, years, he's look, been in the playoffs. Look at this. He, he, McDavid's got an MVP. He's going to get it again this year. He's mm-hmm. got scoring titles. He's shouldering the whole team. He's he's got no support. The team has no character. How long can he last? How long? How long can he take this? Well, you'd have to ask him. I've never seen him ever say. Yeah, I mean, he he's, he's never. He's never. I, again, I just don't. I, I don't. I don't totally understand. Like, it's. 
Well, you know, well, when is what year? What year did Alex Ovechkin win his Stanley Cup? I mean, it's a guy that thirteenth. 13th, 13th year before he won his, and he never ever questioned about leaving yeah, Washington. I, I mean, honestly, honestly, Michael, I, I understand this loss sucked, and and the Oilers, um, you know, let's face it, they had one of the worst decades in pro sports history, not just NHL history. Like they missed the playoffs ten years, and they weren't close most of the years. I, I get it, but I, I don't understand. Well, the Oilers lose a game, so the star player is going to give up and ask to be to be out of the city. I, I mean. Fine, if it happens, the people that think that will will be right. But I don't, I don't, I don't understand the the evidence for that. Well, I'm trying to remember the last player in the National Hockey League that said I want to leave because my team sucks. Is that guy still on the line? I mean, f- tell me a player that came out and said I want to leave my my team sucks. I'm not gonna come out and say it. No, but what? But okay, what? But what player though do you know of that has left his team because his team was bad? Give me one. <laughs> They don't say you don't know. No, but but give me one. Give me a player that you know that was on a really bad team you don't, that you got don't traded. Know who who did or not? Because you don't no. But I'm not. I'm not asking to ask. Tell, I don't want you to tell me who asked for one. Tell me a really good player that has moved from a really bad team in the last little while. Give me one. Uh, Taylor Hall. <laughs> So Taylor Hall. So well, Taylor, Taylor Hall, Hall didn't 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 ask. To, I don't know if you're yeah, talking about no, the Oilers or about Arizona, but he didn't ask to be traded. Well, I, I'm just saying there, there, there's other there are examples you just don't. Okay, hear no, about. Give me some more. Give me some more. Tell you everything behind. Ta- Taylor Hall was an unrestricted know. free agent. That, I, so that's I, different. I, I don't have any inside information. You guys no, but I'm well, just, then, I'm how, then how do you know? Then how do you know what McDavid's thinking? I can I can only imagine that he's thinking. I'm not the only one saying this. John Scott, Cam Jansen, one of the guys on Spit and Chicklets, they've all said it. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, if that's where you want to get your information, they're, they're but I want you. I'm not asking. Not okay, I'm, t- I'm asking you though, right now. I'm asking you right now. Tell me a player that wasn't an unrestricted free agent. Tell me a player that was a great player that has moved to another franchise. Because his team sucked. Now you don't have to tell me he asked for it, but just tell me a player that's moved. Uh, I, 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 okay, I, I'm not talking about other players. You're putting me on the spot. I'm not. No, gonna, but you just you just said that Connor McDavid's going to want to leave because his team history. sucks. You just told me that Connor McDavid's going to want to leave because his team sucks. So I want to know another player, and I said that I've never heard of. I don't know any players that have ever wanted to do that. But you're saying that that's what's got, must be going through his mind. So I just want you to name one. I'm just saying he's not going to want to last much longer. But, but why? Like you're sa- you keep saying that, but what hockey player do you know that's ever done that? I don't know any other hockey player that's done but that. But then why do you think Connor McDavid would want to? And even if there wasn't, there can always be a first. Michael, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you. I, I do appreciate your call. Uh, I, I hope at some point you can sit down and watch a hockey game and enjoy it and not think about all the bad things that could happen or the good players that won't be on the team at some point. I, I really hope that for you. Okay, is that fair? Well, that's fair, but that doesn't matter. Well, no, well, you're right. Your happiness actually doesn't matter to me at all, so you're just going to be unhappy. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Jason on the line as well. Jason, go ahead. Hey, so uh, I got a couple points to what I got to say. First, I think... Um, 
the team needs like a big overhaul. We got to make a big change. We got to switch up a few pe- a few pieces, and we need a culture change because the team does not play the right way. They don't play with heart all the time, and they have trouble doing it for 60 minutes straight, even when they do play with heart. But I'm thinking we could get some cap space because Clefbaum might not come back. We could leave him unprotected. Maybe Vegas takes him. Maybe we could do something with James Neal's contracts, Chris Russell. I'm thinking we'll let Nuge walk. We could replace him with somebody like uh, Philip Deneau, who's a free agent this offseason. Zach Hyman's also a free agent. I feel like we need to make a big change, and we can actually create some cap space. It might cost us some draft picks, but we could make the team better. Kyle Palmieri is also a free agent coming up. Jaden Schwartz, Brandon Saad, and I feel like these guys all play the right well, way. They all they are improving. They... They won't get all those guys. They they might be really nice. I'm just saying people who yeah. are available are people we could go sure. for. I don't. We might not yeah. get any of them, but I'm just saying people we could target, yeah. right? You know, Chris yeah, Russell signed. Like you know, Chris said. Russell signed for next year, right? Yeah, I do. But I'm thinking maybe we could trade him to a team that like isn't competitive. Maybe Ottawa give a little bit of compensation on top just to take him for a year. The guy doesn't even play in the lineup and costs us four million dollars, right? So. James Neal, Russell, Clefbaum, maybe. Um, I feel like we should re-sign Larson. He's been playing well. Um, besides yeah, I like defensive that. Besides every once in a while, I feel like we should re-sign him. And, like, if we could let Nuge walk and get in, get Deneau, um, I feel like if Deneau plays with McDavid or Dreisaitl or even is just our third-line center, like, he's great at face-offs, which we need. Um, he's a great defensive player. And, yeah, he could just replace Nuge on the penalty kill and everything. So he's a discount, but I feel like it would work. I mean, the one player yeah, that he's one player that he said there, Reed. I, li- I like that Hyman. I, I really do. I like the way he plays, and he makes any line any line he's on better. The all you also got to remember, uh, you can throw out a bunch of names, and uh, all the names he threw out were, I mean, players that make teams better. Uh, you also the player has to want to come here. So I mean, it's it's not, you can oh, sure. name any the player. You also have to have a player that wants to come here too, uh, and that's one of the things about R and H. He wants to be here. Um, but there's, I mean, there's deficiencies. I mean, RNH has not been able to carry a line this year. He's been a very good complimentary player playing on one of the top two lines, but when he's left alone, he's not as effective. And that's, you know, six at whatever million dollars. Uh, yeah, there, there are question marks. Uh, if the Oilers don't win tomorrow and the Oilers lose out in the first round, uh, the the questions are going to be bigger, and the the what they're going to do in the off season is going to be coming. Uh, I don't. I think it would be very unexpected that the Oilers were, would be swept in the first round. So the questions that the Oilers brass has to talk about and ask about their own franchise is going to be a lot different than I think any of them had expected to be asking. Because I don't think anyone in this organization, and I know I certainly did not believe that the Oilers would lose in the first round, let alone if they do get swept. That never crossed my mind. Okay, we got to take a quick timeout. So I think Rob's dragging me down, so I'm going to ask for a trade. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then yeah, we, we have, have more some, calls. We have some character issues. You and I, we have some character issues. We, I understand. We, we really do. Uh, news and weather coming up. Then we're back with more Heartland Ford overtime open line. Oilers lost in overtime. Overtime off the draw, Rich shot score. Winnipeg has won game three, five to four in overtime. It's Nick Ehlers right off the draw, top right corner. Jets lead the series, three games to none. And that happening after the Oilers had a 4 1 
lead in the third and were looking very comfortable and they let it go and they lose 5-4 in overtime so the Jets are up 3-0 in the best of seven. Game four is right away tomorrow at 7.45 so we'll have our face-off show starting at 7.30. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. Hope it's been a good weekend other than the result tonight. We have Gregory on the line. Go ahead, sir. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller, but I'm a long-time hockey fan. An observation uh, uh, for you, and then uh, I'll finish with a question, if I could. Uh, watching uh, Edmonton uh, over the last uh, well, 15 years or so, we've changed out coaches, we've changed out players, we've even changed our arena, we've changed owners, and nothing seems to be able to deliver the holy grail to us in the city. Now, tonight's game was a perfect example of what I, the point I wanted to bring up, and it's a reoccurring theme throughout the NHL, every team it affects. They tell us that Edmonton and Winnipeg are very closely matched, and it makes a, a perfect example then. If we had such a strong game tonight, and we controlled the game uh, very significantly for 52 minutes, and then we wind up losing. It wasn't that we were built, uh, beat by talent or that we had dug a deep hole that we were trying to get out of. It was the psychology of the team that uh, allowed Winnipeg to beat us and to have us beat ourselves. And this, this theme reoccurs over and over again. And as many times as you want to change out players and coaches and general managers, we always seem to wind up back in the same place, and lots of teams do. Now, my question for you is, how much uh, time and thought goes into the psychology of, of winning with the teams? Do they do any work at all, or is it all just left to the athletics and the skill? Well, that's, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, in all honesty, I, I don't know if I could tell you with certainty now. I can only tell you when I played. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot <laughs> at all. Um, we didn't have sports psychologists that big. I know in junior we had one that would come around occasionally. In all the pro places that I went to, I don't recall there ever being one. I know that the players could have access to anything they want. If they felt like they could have, they needed one, they could go through their agent, they'd go through the team and they would get one. But, Reed, you might know better than me. I... I know that like I yeah I got, I, got have... minor, I got kids that play minor hockey that have um, sports psychologists and they see them. My son's in theater and he goes and has seen someone just to help him with things. So it's out there. I I don't know if the Oilers employ one full time or not. I, I believe they do have a sports psychologist. I, I would think pretty much every pro team has one that's available to the players. I also know that. And I don't know if this is exactly what Norm is asking, but when players are drafted, there's generally a very mm -hmm. deep dive into the play. I mean, you hear in the NFL, it's like, well, why'd you take this player over this player? Well, this one guy, you know, we found out he stole a candy bar from the school concession <laughs> in grade eight, and the other guy didn't. So we so thought, we took the guy. We took the thief. So we took the guy that didn't know. steal the. No, we took the guy that steal it because he's going to be really good. He's got quick hands. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. I, I yep. think Norm, it was kind of a big picture question. I, I don't know if the Oilers are and other teams are necessarily not winning because of um, 
you, you know, just the mental aspect, though, that's that's part of it. But I mean, there, that's a whole that's that's a huge discussion that he was bringing up. No, oh, sorry, that so, was great. That was that was Gregory. That, that was, was Gregory about, about about team building. And it's funny, like, what's the joke with Lou Lamarello and Leo Komarov that he signs him wherever he goes, right? So obviously, that's a player he trusts and oh, thinks is intelligent. Like Mike, yeah, Mike Keenan so, used to have players that followed him to every single team he went to because the, he believed in them and he knew that they would follow along in the way that he wanted them to follow. Uh, there's there's a lot of players that have their own sports psychologists on, on call that they can call up at any time just like they have their own physical therapist their own trainer the guys that train in the summer their own power skate. like they all have that mike smith talks about the guy that he worked with in the summer but you you're right if when you look at it this is they got players on the team Connor mcdavid's a hundred million dollar player um nuge was a 40 million dollar player i don't know leon was 64 million you got a franchise that's worth what half a half a billion dollars you want to give them every possible chance to succeed and if it means have having someone on call they're coming to the room once a week or or here's the number for the players to call at any time i'm not scoring and it's bugging me i'm not being able to sleep because of it what should i do or i I, i'm losing my focus what should i do so yeah it's it's something that you want to give your players your coaches your team every possible tool to make them better and Every team has a guy that works them out, that puts them through their biking, that puts them, they have a skating coach, they have a skills coach. And sometimes the most important coach you could have is your head coach because yeah. skill-wise, all these players are incredible. But sometimes even pro players, they need a head coach, someone that can get them through time. Uh, there's two or three players that go through a year without any problems. Most of the other pl- pro players, and I was one of them, you have an up and down season. It'd be always nice to have someone to talk to and help you through it. Well, and look, in terms of tonight's game, the I think Jack or somebody mentioned there were there were six players that blew the lead in 2017 as well. I mean, that is a connection. I mean, in 2017, there's no connection to 1982 or whenever that was. I mean, it's the same franchise, but that is nothing. But now it's happened twice to some of the same players. And now yep. that's something planted uh, in, in their minds. And tonight's mm-hmm. t- tonight's loss was as much between the years Oh, as it absolutely. was as it was on the ice so yeah i mean that's a that's 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 a huge discussion uh that norm brought up but hopefully or gregory brought up but hopefully we touched on a little bit there uh we also have dan as well Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the certainty hotline hey dan hi guys i just want to thank you guys first off for uh letting people vent because it's uh where this culture can be a little toxic and i can tell a lot of old grumpy guys are on there me being 22 can definitely tell that um I'm just curious um, of what you guys think. I know the whole, the whole team needs to work on this, but like McDavid and Drysaitel defensively, I know McDavid worked on his um, center, um, his draws, face-off draws. Like, what can be done really there? Because I feel like maybe they need a little bit. Then again, the whole team just needs to work on that. Then I'm just wondering about um, what your thoughts are on Cuckoo Slater Cuckoo. I'm just camping right now, and I've been only able to listen to the game. It just sounds like with Bob and Jack talking about, it sounds like he's been doing really well. Just wondering what your thoughts about resigning him next year. Oh sure, well, for, yeah, thanks. First, first of all, uh, enjoy your camping. I, I really wish I was out there camping as well. Hope you have a good spot and you get to stay up by a fire late late tonight. Uh, Cuckoo has been good. He has, uh, and I, I give him credit. He came back from eh, that's a bad injury, and to come back and step right in with, with one game, and then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. 
that's that's huge and he's played very very well um so good on him i i would think because of where they're playing him in the playoffs on the depth chart that they that'd be someone that they'd want to re-sign because he's playing ahead of other players right now and you're like hey this is a playoff spot we need these wins uh he's in the lineup so yeah i think that they'd want to re-sign him uh and what was the other question that he had reed it was about cuckoo was camping oh, face-offs face-offs uh, you're right which That's is, yeah they need they need to get way better they need i mean right now they got one face-off guy that they can feel can win face-offs and it, it, like I, I had a number of my buddies text me tonight why was leon not out taking that face off and the problem is leon is the only guy that you have faith well, in to win face play the entire game and he had just come off the ice and the problem is when you put him out to take face-offs in with other lines if he loses the face-off now he's stuck in his own zone and now he he's either fatigued for his next shift or he misses his next shift because he's stuck out there having said that it's overtime and i completely understand having your best face-off guy on the ice. Uh, Juju Jarker was 3-9 and nine on, the seat, on, the, on the night, and he took the face-off at the very end and against a very good face-off guy in Stasny who won it clean and won it exactly where he wanted to win it to allow Ehlers to get the perfect shot on net. So that is something we've talked about all year long, that the Oilers need a right-handed guy that can win draws. They don't have it, and tonight it bit them. Okay, Mark is up next. Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say I think that the Oilers have been the better team throughout the series in all three games, and it just seems like the hockey gods don't want us to win. Uh, do you guys agree with that, or do you think that the Oilers have been outplayed? I, I, I think, think the they, Oilers, uh, I think they have been the better team, quite frankly. Yeah, I but, agree. But goaltending is a big part of hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not really sure why everybody trying to trade the team right away like yeah, i mean at the end of the day you're two one goal games and even tonight another one goal game where i mean yes they they let everybody down but the momentum was with the jets they were on their heels and that happens to the best of teams sometimes so i mean i think we have a good crew and i think mcdavid i know lots of people are saying he's a sieve in the playoffs but he is uh, a phenomenal player in the playoffs as well and He's going to win a cup in Edmonton. I, I hope so. And I, I believe he'll be here for the duration of his career. Um, I, he, I thought he had a great playoff last year. Goaltending was the issue last year. They, they did not get very good goaltending, and it cost them. Uh, this year, I, I thought he's, he's played well. But again, when you are the league's leading scorer and you go scoreless in the first two games on home ice, there's going to be uh, fingers pointed at you. And he'll be the first to admit he had to be better. And he came out tonight, and he was better, much better. And uh, I would imagine he's going to have another good game tomorrow. I'm, I'm a Connor McDavid fan. I think he is uh, he's elite. He's great. Uh, he's going to be the MVP again this year. And they need a huge game out of him tomorrow, but uh, they need a huge game out of a lot of players tomorrow. Mike Smith all the way out. And I don't believe this series is over yet. But I do. But I wouldn't be betting the house on it right now, like I would have before the season started or before the series started. Okay. And also, if you missed it earlier, uh, Josh Archibald will have a hearing tomorrow for the clipping infraction against Logan Stanley. Jets win five four in overtime. We'll uh, sneak in a few more calls here when we get back to Harlan Ford overtime open line. 
All right, the Jets can sweep the Oilers tomorrow. They won 5-4 in overtime tonight, and, uh, yeah, it's a tough go for the Oilers. Lost the last two in overtime. They got to Connor Hellebuck for four goals tonight. Could not hold on to the lead. Okay, we want to squeeze in a few more calls here. Uh, we have Abbas uh, on the line. Abbas, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Yeah, go ahead. I have to say I'm disappointed in it. However, I think even though it's 3 nothing, I still believe in the orders because we've seen history where the orders come back and win the cup. However, I think tomorrow Connor will score tomorrow. However, do you think that Smitty is kind of tired in the pipes right now? Because I know he's played good, but he's... Do you think he needs rest? Um, whether he needs rest or not, he ain't getting it. Uh, he'll be playing tomorrow night. I I can't see them pulling him. He's uh, there. Yeah, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. He's playing whether he's tired or not at that time of year. He'll be in the goal tonight, tomorrow night for the Edmonton Oilers. When you look at Oilers history, when was the last time Oilers came back from a 3 nothing deficit in one? Well, I forgot. Well, never. Yeah, never. never. <laughs> no, the, we, the teams that have done that uh, were Toronto, the Islanders, Philly, and the Kings. That's it. Yeah, it's tough. Okay. okay. All right, thanks, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Seven eight zero. Yeah, for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Osama on the line as well. Osama, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just think the first two games, as you saw, Connor Hellebuck looked unbeatable, but now we put four goals on him. So I still think we have a pretty good chance. If anybody can do it, it's the Edmonton Oilers. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean the the, the odds are long. But, I mean, for the Oilers, you know, to me, if I'm a fan right now, I'm not looking at are the Oilers going to come back and win this series because the players right now are focused on one game, win a game. So the whole goal for the Edmonton Oilers right now is to play another game at Rogers. So they go into tomorrow's game, Kate, let's win. We want to get back to Rogers. Let's not worry about anything but that. So tomorrow that's their focus. Um, don't look anything past that because then it just looks daunting. Keep it simple, win a game, and just go from there. So I think that's what the Oilers should be focused on. And as a fan, that's what you should be focused on, too. Well, hello, but you think um, his confidence is short a little bit since they put four goals on him today? Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, for one, for I've, everything I've heard about him, he's a very confident player who had, he struggled all year long against the Oilers and came in in the first two games of the series and was the difference. So, uh, no, he, he would not be daunted by what happened uh, tonight. I mean, if you're going to say that, then you're going to say, well, Smith led in five. Is he going to be lacking confidence? And we don't think that's that's uh, it either. So both goaltenders, anytime a goalie lets a goal in, he forgets about it right away anyway. So I expect tomorrow night's game to be uh, eventful. I expect the Oilers to play their best game of the series. And I expect the Winnipeg Jets to, to play theirs as well. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'll... Yeah, thanks a lot for calling. Just uh, we got to wrap up here soon, guys. So that's why I'm going through this quickly. We also have Sonny on the line. Sonny, go ahead. Uh, Reed, Rob, I usually don't like to get down on players, but I thought uh, Archibald penalty today, that was one of the most selfish uh, plays available. Uh, I think he got high stick. It didn't get called. He was mad. Uh, later on, uh, just before the clipping penalty, he got his stick slash, tested it out. He was mad. Then he took that run at, uh, what's his name? 
but I thought it was selfish, and I agree with you during the summer, top six left winger, a right shot third-line center, and uh, potential long-term goalie. So with that, yeah, that's it. Yep, all three good points, absolutely. Yeah. All right, and we'll get uh, Lawrence in before we sign off as well. Lawrence, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, I've uh, been here some 23 years now in Edmonton. I, I grew up some 20 years in Winnipeg, actually. But I was for 50 minutes tonight, I was very, very proud of the Oilers, how they played. I thought they had Winnipeg on the run for most of the game, and uh, that penalty was the turning point for sure that everybody's talking about. And that one goal by Pro started things for the Jets. But thinking back, you know, when I was, I lived in Winnipeg, I followed the Bombers more than the Jets, mind you. But I went to almost every home game the Bombers had. And uh, there's quite, people, people really, the fans are, well, everybody raves about the Saskatchewan fans, but the, the Winnipeg fans are just number two or three in the country behind their teams. It's, it's, it's a certain thing that can't be measured but I was very proud of the Oilers tonight I'm an Oilers fan for the last 15 years for sure 23 years of my life has been here and uh, I feel like the wheels have fallen off like I feel like I I was out on lake in a in a rubber boat and it was punctured <laughs> you know I'm, I'm now <laughs> yeah I'm now, uh, I'm now uh, uh, flooding <laughs> so uh, I feel for everybody in Edmonton tonight, I do, because I'm an Oilers fan for sure now myself. But uh, I do remember how things can get in Winnipeg with their sports teams. And uh, it's a certain feeling that's, uh, well, Saskatchewan is similar and um, the, ride, the Riders fans and everything. But um, we get uh, pretty uh, hyped about our own football too. So, um, but... Uh, I just want to offer those comments. I, I was proud of the Oilers, how they played for 50 of the 60 minutes, and uh, like it went downhill with that penalty. But, yeah, uh, well. We, we can only, uh, with what, uh, like, they can only play one game at a time now. They can't look ahead too far. You know, they could just play one game at a time now. And Oh, go ahead. I'm cutting you off. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Okay. But, yeah, uh, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, no, but uh, what's your comments to what I'm saying? No, you're right. The Oilers, it, it was a it was a good night until they took a silly penalty, and then things unraveled quickly. They got to somehow forget it all, come back tomorrow, focus on one game, win one game. Hopefully, they get to play another day. Back tomorrow instead. All right, Rob. Well, we'll back tomorrow. Uh, Bob has Oilers now from noon to two. Face-off show is going to be at five thirty. Games at seven forty-five. We'll talk to you then, buddy. <laughs> Get more on 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and Angie Quinnell, our studio producer. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.